today on Untapped Potential is Mrs. Allison Hector Alexander. Welcome, Allison. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. So I've heard that you're doing some very important work in the space of diversity, inclusion, and all these wonderful areas. So I'm really happy that you're able to join us today. Yes, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yes, certainly. Yeah. So um, you are the director of the Office of Student Diversity, Inclusion and Transition. And for short, you just call that OSDIT? Yeah, OSDIT. OSDIT. <laughs> All okay. the acronyms. Good. Yeah. So you oversee several of the college's um, diversity and inclusion um, services. Uh -huh. And recently you had an opportunity to co-present at Harvard U University uh -huh. on anti um black uh, racism mm. and you also back in 2019 received the prestigious award which um represents a lot of the work that you do so we have lots to talk about <laughs> Alison I'm so happy that you're here and it's such yes. a timely yes. conversation yes. so tell us a little bit more about your role at the university Okay, so um, as you mentioned, I am the uh, director in the Office of Student Diversity, Inclusion and Transitions, uh, and I oversee uh, Indigenous services. So we have a First Peoples Indigenous Center, uh, and I work closely with our Indigenous uh, communities um, in community and on campus as well. So we provide services to Indigenous students. Um, I also oversee all of the diversity and inclusion services. So any human rights, uh, any equity uh, issues, concerns, any celebrations around diversity that falls within my portfolio as well. Uh, I also oversee uh, the uh, government of Ontario has a sexual violence mandate on all colleges and universities um, in Ontario. And so that portfolio around policy development, um, uh, investigation, receiving disclosures, providing supports, uh, to students who disclose any sort of sexual violence, um, either while they're on campus or when they're out in community as well. And then I oversee now, which is a, a very busy time for us, um, I oversee all the orientation and transitions programming for new students who are coming uh, into campus. So today we actually had an orientation SWAG pickup day. Uh, because of COVID, we can't do our usual uh, fun student life activities. And so we did a curbside uh, orientation SWAG pickup. So any sort of student life activities uh, also falls within uh, my umbrella. And I also... Um, have oversight for working with students who have been historically marginalized. So students who are coming, you know, making the decision to either think about going to higher ed or, you know, um, further in their education, uh, but coming to education with many barriers. And so we do a lot of outreach. So a lot of folks who would not usually think of, you know, even pursuing higher ed, doing outreach in the community and, and holding their hands, yeah, to say, uh, to walk them through and transition them to higher education. So I got a pretty full portfolio. Yes, your, <laughs> your hands are so full, Alison. I mean, I lost track. I don't know how you keep it all straight in your mind. But I, I'm not sure if we mentioned in the beginning, but this is at Durham University in Ontario, Canada. Yes, at Durham College, yes, in Ontario. College. We actually share space with Ontario Tech University. Mm -hmm. So we, we sort of, we live together on the same campus. A lot of our students um, do a lot of bridging programs on transfer over to the university okay okay mm -hmm. excellent so now you're originally from dominica which yes. makes me extremely proud we're actually former classmates, classmates we won't say yes. what year 
Lived in the High School. Yes. <laughs> we yes. won't age ourselves. I know. But you're, you're a former classmate, so yes. very proud of the work that you're doing. Thank so you. tell us a little bit about your journey from Dominica to becoming the director oh at a Lord. university yes. in um, Canada. Some of yes. the challenges you may have faced along the way. So I'm a proud daughter uh, of the soil, proud uh, Dominican uh, woman. Um, I uh, immigrated to Canada back in 1998 um, and family has uh, my, my um, extended family on my mother's side. Um, have always been here. So it was sort of this natural progression uh, that when I was ready to pursue higher ed, that this is where I would end up. And so um, we made the move um, and immigrated to Canada. Um, and then I got here and it was sort of like, where do I even start? Right. <laughs> you know, everything that I thought I wanted to do, um, it, was, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. So, I mean, my, my parents had one vision in terms of you know, here's what you're going to study just because we think this might be the best move for you. Um, and interestingly enough, when I got here, I got um, a job uh, doing admin work in a youth center. And I mm. thought, I like this. Like, I, I can see myself doing this, the helping piece, um, you know, that compassion. Um, I really liked it. And so in the youth center that I started working, um, working in, I worked with a lot of youth at risk. Uh, and street involved youth. And so I, I more and more, I, I, I thought, okay, I want to pursue this, you know, social work piece. And so while I was working, I started doing part-time school, going to school in the evenings. Um, and then I did that for quite a bit, got into the community, got a good sense of it. And then I got an opportunity to work with uh, women and children who were survivors of violence and abuse. Mm -hmm. So I worked within the shelter system, uh, doing skills development programming with that population. Um, and my commutes, I did that for a few years and I really liked it. And then I had one client that I worked with uh, who unfortunately was murdered by her partner. Oh, my gosh. Right. So that really, that really, she was very close in age uh, with me. We'd grown really, you know, we've sort of moved beyond sort of the counselor uh, clients because uh, she was so close in age and she, yes. she was of African background. So that really shook me for you know, threw me for a loop. And I thought, you know what, between that and the commute um, uh, for me going downtown uh, Toronto, that I needed something different. Mm -hmm. um, and so then opportunity came about uh, where uh, on the campus, they needed someone to actually create uh, a women's center uh, for students and a campus food center. And I thought, you know what, maybe this is an opportunity to start something from scratch and create something and develop something. Um, and so with the um, encouragement of my husband, uh, because it was, it was a shift for me, it was a pay cut as well. Um, and I thought, is that, you know, where I want to be? And he said, you know what, try it. If, it do, if you don't like it, um, you know, you'll try something else. And so I tried it. And so I've been on campus since then. So really last year uh, I celebrated um, almost 13 years on campus in different capacities. So I started with creating the Women's Center and the Campus Food Center, and we expanded that to a, a counseling center uh, as well for, uh, for students, all students. Um, and then the diversity rule came up. And so it was where I'd worked with a lot of uh, women-specific programs, skill-building programs for women, um, and I thought, well, I can expand that and learn. Um, and so I applied for that role and got into that role. And that role just started to you know, in, a, in an organic way, just morph, you know, that place where it's like, we're going to add that to your portfolio. Oh, we'll add that as well, you know, because we have to do more with less. Mm -hmm. um, and pretty much that's how, you know, the different areas have gotten 
you know, added to my portfolio over, over these years. Right. Yeah. So, tell us, so tell us a little bit more about some of the programs um, that you do. Exactly what do you do, like on a daily basis? Yes. You said orientation, yes. working with women, but just give us an idea of mm -hmm. like one particular program mm -hmm. that you do. Um, so I can, one of the programs we have is a, it's a ministry funded program and we call it the rise program. Mm -hmm. And so where there, there are three different pillars uh, to that program. So you have the access and the outreach components, you have the transitions piece, and then you have the retention piece. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, we reach to communities and, um, you know, different groups who would probably have been out of school for a very long time, you know, haven't even considered school because, you know, do I pay? you know the application fee or do I feed my kids or do I pay? yeah right so so we reach them to say hey there are opportunities like there are funding options in the community you know we can help you figure out a plan so you know my staff would reach out and do those outreach pieces going to the community and then once we once they start to really think I can actually you know go to school I can do this you know I can have applied we transition them so that they start to get a sense of what college life looks like what university life looks like and so um we introduce them to that um uh that uh environment and so that they can get connected and know what services are available to them um, and once they've started their program you know my office becomes sort of their go-to they're having difficulty so you know i'm struggling this month because of rent or housing or you know intimate partner violence you know i i got kicked out because of right you know those sort of things and so we'll connect them with the resources in the community so it's a it's a sort of a balance between you know, the, doing the education, doing the academics, but also supporting them in the other areas that might interrupt their success in some ways, right? So, right. So, uh -huh. so the way I'm understanding it, it's almost like your office is an umbrella yes. um, institution within the institution yes. that is targeted towards marginalized groups. Yes. So yes. people who would not necessarily fit into college as a traditional student yes. who may have other challenges, they come to your office and you're able to guide them right. through the so college we're experience. Looking at, we're looking at, you know, right now we recently uh, submitted a proposal for um, working with women who've been impacted by incarceration in some way. So whether they were um, involved in the criminal justice system or maybe somebody that they know or love was involved in the criminal justice system. So we're looking at how do we sort of, you know, build this sort of protective wall where that we can encourage them and, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm such a firm believer that, you know, education is that, that one thing that some nobody can take that away from you once right. you've earned it you've earned it and it opens doors for you right so there's access and you know opportunities to employment that you probably never had before and you know and all of the other things that come with it and so i i really believe that the different groups that i work with whether you know they're survivors of violence whether they're coming because um you know they're black and just being a black person these days uh in our communities is it can be traumatic and so how do we support them you know sometimes Sometimes they're coming to us and they have different uh, you know mental health issues or just physical disabilities and so how do we connect them with the right support so yeah so we it's almost overall we we figure out how do we create a space so that they feel welcome on campus and that they can thrive even though they don't look like your traditional, traditional student, student, right? Yeah. So that mom, right? That mom yeah, has yeah, like, exactly. you know, five kids and she has to get them out the door and then she has right. to come to class and she has to, you know what I mean? Like, so those people who wouldn't usually even think about coming to school, we look at how we, you know, pave a way so that it doesn't, it doesn't seem as daunting to them. 
So it's not this, you know, big frightful thing of even trying to apply, right? Or pick what courses or pick a program. And so we help them with those pieces. That's what my area does. Yeah, wonderful yeah. work, wonderful work. So if you're just tuning in, we are speaking to Mrs. Allison Hector Alexander out of Ontario, Canada. Mm -hmm. And she is the director of the Office of Student Diversity, Inclusion and Transition. Quite a mouthful, A Allison, mouthful, yes. At Durham um, <laughs> College in Ontario, yes. Canada. And she's telling us all about the important work that she's doing with regards to ensuring that students who may not necessarily have come to college uh -huh. uh, are welcome in and embraced uh -huh. yes. um, yeah. in the university setting. So truly tremendous work that you're doing. Uh -huh. Now we talk about diversity and inclusion, and I recently heard you talk on the topic of power and privilege. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it was so eloquently <laughs> said, Alison, it truly uh -huh. caught my attention. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about that, your views on uh, power and uh -huh. privilege. Yes, I, I have uh, spent quite a bit of time, uh, you know, doing work because I've, I've gotten a lot of resistance from you know, a lot of folks who say, well, you know, I struggle as well. Um, I had to pull my, you know, my bootstraps up. I was, you know, I had to work twice as much. And, and so, you know, I talk a lot about privilege being those unearned assets that we have um, just by the mere fact of how we were born, right? Where we were born to, who we were born, the color of the skin that we were born in. Um, and the things that, you know, we enjoy, but also at the same time happening, you know, it, together, the way that we, we can experience oppression. And so, you know, it's really important to recognize those assets and how by the mere fact of, you know, my race or my ability or my religious belief or my, um, you know, sexual orientation or my gender, you know, or my sex. So those, there's, 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 you know, certain ways that I enjoy privileges that maybe somebody else might not. And so how can I use my voice as someone who's privileged to create space? So, you know, when I think, when I talk about, you know, marginalized students, how do I use my voice? Because, you know, marginalized folks don't always get a seat at the table, right? You know, everybody, you know, thinks that, well, we're going to create this and we know what everybody wants, but we don't invite them to the table. So as someone who, you know, has opportunity to sit at certain table, how am I creating space? So I need to use the privilege that I have of being in the position that I'm in of you know being employed of being educated of being you know presently able-bodied where i can run through you know run from one street one floor to the next you know i have to think of the person who's using the wheelchair i have to think of the person you know who has never had an opportunity to sit at the table so what is my voice i need to use my voice for you know those folks who don't have that voice right yeah certainly and i think um what caught my attention mm. is that so often when we think of privilege we think of people who are born with a golden spoon in their mouth. Yes. So that is really yeah. what caught my attention because here you were saying that uh -huh. being privileged is the opportunities you have made for yourself. Yeah. So the same way you and I came from Dominica, which is a relatively poor country, yeah. we figured out a way to get an education, to earn an income, to get uh -huh. a career. It uh -huh. is now our responsibility because now we are privileged. It was so beautiful, Alison. Yes. I listened to it a few times. I have to be honest with you because I was yeah. so impressed with the way you explained it. Thank you. So now that we yes. have the privilege 
it is now our responsibility to ensure that we're opening the doors for others who are yes. not privileged. And that's exactly yes. the work that you're doing. Yes, yes. There, and I, I strongly believe that there is a responsibility, you know, and so if you were to look at it in terms of, you know, those assets that we've earned because we've had to work really hard to, you know, to, um, and I don't want to say fit in because I don't like the idea of fitting in because I, I, you know, I, I really believe the notion of people come in with all of themselves and you know you you maneuver you navigate you bob and weave and you figure out how to make it work so that you can be as you know as um you know rich in your top potential as as possible right and so you know you you create those opportunities for yourself but there's also these opportunities that we have you know by the fact that you know we could you know go through the process of education and have those opportunities or that you know these other these other benefits that we have and so how are we using those vo our voices right um to create space for other for other folks how are we you know sort of saying hey you know you're saying that you want to create you know accessible um you know housing or you want to create accessibility um uh, opportunities but there's nobody sitting around the table who has a disability or so how are you how are you creating things for people but there there's no voice there right so you know that whole idea of nothing for us without us mm -hmm. right i think it's really that is where when you really you know unpack privilege and power that it's important that we recognize those pieces yeah and it certainly mm -hmm. speaks to looking at yourself yes. because you know again yeah. you 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 think to yourself like you said when you first mm -hmm. started talking about this topic well you know i've worked so hard i pulled myself up by my mm -hmm. bootstraps nothing was given to me i had to work for everything mm -hmm. so let everybody else work for everything themselves as well mm -hmm. and that is such a selfish approach to adopt but yes. many times we sit in our success and we just yes. don't offer anything back to those who might need us so yes. so truly powerful information it is and it, and it comes it really comes from you know some in some ways how we were raised you know i always hear my grandmother's voice um you know when she says you know when people think that they've reached or they've arrived um you know you never really reach or arrive unless you're pulling everybody you're pulling other people with you yes. so you know you can't sit there and say okay you know what listen i have a title i'm good you know i'm living okay i'm, I'm surviving i'm okay if i'm not paying attention to the other people who are not okay as well right yeah, and so and that can... yeah and I cannot tell you how many successful people have come on this program and have said the exact same thing. Yeah. That success That's is not just earning the title, but pulling up other people um, who are struggling to potentially get where you are. So now I know that you received a very prestigious award. Tell us the name of the award and what um, you were awarded it for. Yes. And so I was uh, the beneficiary of the Madiba Award. And I think this is the single most... Um, amazing thing given uh the work that i've done but just the the um the recognition uh for doing work in the community the recognition for working with different community groups um and and just doing the work and not really paying attention i remember getting the call in my office and then my staff had to come in and be like are you okay because the 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 the, the laughter and the the noise that i made when i heard um, so it was truly, truly, truly amazing to be recognized um, for working with community, for, you know, giving back to the community, working with different groups in the community, whether it be working with Black women um, and looking at ways to support them and inspire them or using just, again, you know, my, my position to create space for people who just might need, you know, how do I create an opportunity for you to come 
you know, on campus and experience campus. So it, it was definitely truly an honor uh, to receive uh, to receive that award. Yeah, and you're, you're being quite modest because the, the, the award actually is for anyone who embodies the values that Nelson Mandela Yes. Uh, valued so yes. truly a very truly prestigious award and congratulations mm -hmm. on that Thank now you. also i read that um you are a member of the let's see diversity equality and i'm missing part of this information but the dei committee yes. which yes. was the first ever committee tell us what that committee is and uh, why it was created so what the committee so it's one within the region uh that we we live the bigger the, the more prominent i would say uh city which is a city of oshawa and so uh in the midst of you know everything that has happened around race relations around um you know the the, the violence being perpetrated on black bodies uh in the last little while and so this um the city of oshawa which is where my college is located um developed this uh uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. And so what they've done is that they've looked at um, uh, different uh, folks who are in, in different areas. So whether it be people working in indigenous uh, area, in education, in um, youth areas, just different. Um, and, and I don't want to say prominent, but people who are, you know, on the ground doing the work. And they, so they've reached out to say, hey, you know, we want to create, um, you know, an overarching guide for how the city will approach equity issues, how the city will, you know, approach any sort of diversity and inclusion pieces. And so they brought this group together, uh, the first ever uh, in the region to create uh, these, uh, to provide guidance to the council around how that work will be done. Yeah, and it sounds like a model that a lot of states, even here in the U.S., yeah. could uh, potentially benefit from. So again, great work on that. Thanks. Now, I know that you're also a family person, yes. a, a mom and a yes. wife. So how do you, how do you balance it all? Let me tell you, let me tell you, I, some days I don't even know. I remember um, when I, uh, when I started my master's program, I had my little one, my last one on my shoulder. And I remember thinking, what am I doing? Like, why, you know, but, you know, there's a, there is this sense, as you know, that there's so, you know, there, education gives you access. Education mm -hmm. gives you access. It, it allows you to be competitive. You know, it gives you that, uh, that sense of empowerment that, you know, I can have a voice and I shouldn't be scared to have my voice because then I might lose my livelihood, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's this empowerment where if I know I'm doing the right thing, it's the right thing to do. And so, you know, that, that access that it gives you um, makes it worth it. Was it hard? Oh, Lord. Um, there are days, again, as I said, when I question significantly, why am I doing this? Um, you know, and my children will say, Mommy, are you, you studying again today? Um, or are you going to the library today? And at the end of the day, you know, I thought, this is for them, right? Yes. This is the opportunities. You know, they are they're already so... COVID has, you know, put a wrench in their plans because my little one has his little carry-on. And he says, mommy, I'm ready to go on the plane to go to Dominica. They love Dominica. Oh, beautiful. Um, and so when I think of, you know, why I do it, I think, because I need to be able to give them these opportunities, right? Um, but yeah, it is, it was, it has, it was quite the, the journey. I have yeah. to say it was quite the journey. And, and, and the interesting thing is it's, it's opportunities in several different ways because it's opportunities to see, you know, what mommy is capable of doing to provide for us, yes. but also opportunities in what the world 
will now be ready to offer them because of the work that individuals like you do. So absolutely, absolutely. When, you know, yeah. When I have um, you know colleagues who you know when we talk about you know George Floyd or we talk about you know any of the 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 violence you know and I say they're they're like well tell us how how that makes you feel or you know tell us you know what's what's going on with you and and I and I you know I would say well this one hits me a little differently and I don't know if it's because my you know my boys are getting older and I worry for them and the world and I think if I can reach you know somebody right to 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 switch something that says maybe you know the way that I think maybe my implicit bias maybe you know the way that I think towards you know whether it be black folks or any other racialized folks maybe there's something that can tweak right that can change how somebody thinks that can create you know a better space for a black person or another you know racialized person so that is important for me for them to see like you know when i did receive the um Madibo award they were there they were front and center they were so proud it was so i mean of everything else don't get me wrong it was a an, a, an amazing honor but they saw that right they were so proud of me and i could hear them you know, talking to each other about it. And mommy got an award. Did you see mommy? Like, you know what I mean? So I do it for them. I do it because they're, they're you know, two you know, young black, you know, young princes who have to grow up in this world. And so I have to, I have to do something, right? right. To create a better space for them. Absolutely. Now we hear a lot about the police shooting and incidents such as, as those in, um, in the U.S. You know, yeah. and a lot of it is because of implicit biases, like you mentioned. Yes. But do you guys have also um, similar issues in um, Canada with the protests and the we shootings? Do. And we do. do it's, it's different. It's, it's different. different. Okay. You know, sometimes we have our politicians who, you know, will come on, um, you know, on the news and say, thank God, you know, we're not the states. And I'm thinking, what made you think we're so, you know, we're better. We're not better. We're different. Canada is very... Um, uh, subtle in that we there is a, a badge that we and I say we as a Canadian by immigration but there is a badge of that we carry around politeness you know so we do the whole we smile we do the subtle thing we um you know we hold doors and we say I'm sorry that is Canadian and so and I say it's different because you know the implicit bias the racism the anti-black racism it's still there it's just that it's harder to discern so you know my students will come and say to me you know Allison, this is happening in class and i cannot really tell you concretely that there's been like you know anything blatant in the way um you know it has sort of presented itself but i'm feeling it in my gut and i know i'm being treated differently because of the color of my skin because of right and so we do it subtly we do it very uh indirectly we do it for a smile on our face and so yes it does it just it's different we do it differently and and that might also be because it's so subtle it might also be access to opportunity yes because that in itself is very subtle it's yes. not a spoken word it's not an action but being denied an opportunity yes could be yes. just as a and it's hard right it's hard for yes. you to make a case and this is one of the hardest part of my job because you know when somebody comes and says i want i want a formal investigation you know whether it be against a faculty or another student or another staff member um you know when i start looking for those concrete examples it is hard and so i have to be able to to pull other pieces and see whether you know from an assessment lens if that meets a threshold to meet that, um, you know, that threshold of whether it be racism or sexism or whatever it is. And it's hard because the blatant in your face, it's easy, right? You said what? Okay, you said this, this is, the, there's zero tolerance. 
but this subtle part is what you know those microaggressions it's what sort of eats away at you but you can't really name it because it's not blatant and direct and that's how it is in canada right certainly uh -huh. so thank you for sharing with us sharing that with uh -huh. us and again if you're just joining in we're speaking to mrs allison hector alexander a former classmate of mine from the convent high school we're not yes. talking about what we're not gonna say <laughs> <laughs> she's telling us all about the important work that she does with um, inclusion and di diversity and all the other areas that she works in to better the lives of um, her students. So now, how has the COVID-19 um, situation impacted you? I know that you're working from home now. How does yes. that, you know, yes. facilitate the work that you do, which is yeah. a lot of it is face-to-face -face yeah. interaction with the students? So, Law, we have been, I've been lucky. I have a really good team uh, that I work with. And so in terms of just shifting um, and making things uh, uh, available virtually for students. And so that has worked really well overall for students. Um, it was such an adjustment for me. And, and, you know, to be so honest that, you know, from the very beginning, I, 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 we, we were, um, we were directed home, uh, I think March 13th or March 15th. And I, I just, the week before, I just come back from Dominica. So I am in this, uh, so I am trying to like get back in my own groove. And I go to work and my VP says to me, you know, you know, heads up. And I thought, really? Like, you went when I come back for this? So I barely made it back. Yes. Um, and so the following week, so I came back to work, I think the Monday, and then the following Monday or Tuesday, we were off. Like, it was like, you know, you were working from home. And at the same time that was happening as well, my husband was considered an essential worker. Mm -hmm. So I had the two boys um, and trying to do work. And so it was very much, um, oh, here's the work for today. So I'm trying to do that with him. And I'm trying to help everybody you know figure out how we're doing this sort of at home thing and so it was very 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 frustrating at the very beginning um and then to the point where i thought one day allison no you don't necessarily have to follow the guy that they're sending you you teach your child what you think they need right now right. and what you can handle because it was so frustrating um but then we got into our groove and you know work you know just um continued on um, and the good thing about it is that i've actually gotten many opportunities to um, to be able to do more facilitation, more speaking engagements mm -hmm. since we've been home. So that has been the one, the one positive. I've been able to um, uh, engage with folks from all around the world doing training sessions. So things I probably would not have been able to do, uh, you know, speaking at conferences, that sort of thing. So I've, I've been, that has been the, um, you know, trying to find the good in all of it and the, the exposure, you know, to do, to do that work and to do training. Um, you know, has to be really good. I've actually, um, I have a conference I'm speaking at in a couple of weeks and I wrote about, uh, you know, gender and COVID and learning and how gender has, you know, significantly impacted women way more uh, than, um, than men and, the, uh, and what that has done for women who are looking at going back to school as well. So I'm very excited about this. So I've actually been able to do the, these pieces that I would not have been able to do if it was being asked of me physically to go to different spaces, I wouldn't be able to. So Yeah, yeah. And to yeah. think that we're able to do all of this from home because I, I actually know. started the radio show at the end of May, which is when oh, all the whole COVID yes. thing began. I got the offer to do the, the radio show at the oh. end of May. And it's amazing. I've been able to reach people 
pretty much all over the world as far as yes. Paris. Yeah. So I think um, for several of us, it has actually opened up more opportunity. And that's really mm -hmm. what I try to encourage people to do, to really think of the opportunities yes. that exist now mm -hmm. that did not exist despite the fact that COVID-19 is a terrible disease. But there are opportunities to be had. So as yes. we get ready to, to wind down um, yes. this evening, what would you say are your career goals? Where do you see all of this leading you? I eventually I'd love to work for myself. Um, mm -hmm. I would um, I would love to to teach. I do I I teach you know on a part time basis every now and again. I do a lot of class presentations just connected to my role on campus. But I would like to to teach um, you know and being able to do my own consulting work, being able to you know I think given where we're at with the the intersecting of. Um, the violence that you know that that continues to be perpetrated on black bodies as well as just you know how our lives have shifted with covid um you know there is opportunity to to as you said you know to change how we've worked right to change mm -hmm. you know i went on i was on my campus today and i haven't been for a long time and it just felt so different mm -hmm. right having been at home and working from home these last few months it has just been very 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 different so i mean there is opportunity I, I at the end of the day i would love to work for myself I would just, it would just, as my children, you know, get older and they get to a space where I do want to spend more time with them, you know, I do want to be involved in the activities that I can, you know, expose them to and so on. I would definitely love to work for myself. And not even that too, I would love to look at how do I give back and how do I give back, you know, to home? How do I, yes. you know, what, what are those skills that I can take and I can, you know, I can contribute it back, you know, to our society back in Dominica to help. Like, this is something that's always been on my mind. Um, and I've always sort of thinking, I've always been thinking, how do I take the sort of the tangible piece of, you know, because I, we, you know, we don't, I, I know when we went back, when we were going to school, I never really thought of racism because everybody looked like me. You right. know, I never really thought of, you know, right. equity and those things. So I'm always thinking sort of, how do I take, you know, um, you know, some of the pieces that I've done in other, you know, countries I've done, you know, being part of international projects in Guyana and Barbados and so on. So I'm always sort of thinking, how do I take it and transfer it back to Dominica yeah. and what that can look like? So those are, those are some of the goals that I have uh, for, the, uh, for the near, near uh, future. Yeah, so you're yeah. certainly on the right track for doing so. And please keep, this, keep us informed. Absolutely. Let us know how we can assist in any way, um, any form. And as we get ready to wind up, do you have any final thoughts you would like to leave us with today? I thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I was, I was taken aback and I, I, I said to my husband, I said, are you sure it's me? Like, I don't, <laughs> yes, I, still, I still think I don't like, what do I have to call, you know, but um, I, I, I continue to do, uh, you know, the work that I do because I, again, I do, I do feel that, you know, I can reach folks who, you know, whether they look like me or whether they're, they're coming from different backgrounds that I can help in some way. And if I can help in any small way, you know, that can be some kind of a jumping off point. I think we have a responsibility to do that. We, um, that is how we were raised. You know, we, as we rise, we pull up with us. And so that is really important to me that I leave that and remind people that, you know, we're going to come across people. Um, and, and if anything that, um, you know, the black uh, Chad uh, Bosman's death, you know, reminded me is that we meet people every day and we don't know what their story is and we don't know what battle they're fighting. And so, you know, it's important for me to be kind to people. Um, you know, it's important, like, you know, when I walk my, when I walk past students in the hallway that I say hi and I, you know, I say hello to them and I remember their names because I don't know what battle they're going through. So, you know, be kind to people. 
um, you know, be kind to yourself. I am, I'm learning again. This is one of the other pluses of being at home is just learning to be kind to myself, learning to take a minute, you know, reading books that I've wanted to read. And I'm, I just kept putting it off, you know, doing the small things that I wanted to do. And I kept on thinking, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. And so, you know, I'm learning to be kind to myself. So definitely, you know, be kind to others, but, you know, be kind to yourself be kind to yourself certainly Anna and very well said it really starts with just being kind it sounds like such a simple um um topic but it really starts with again you don't know what the person is going through so simply being kind um is important so again thank you so much for joining us it was a pleasure having you on untapped potential today Uh and continued success to you thank you thank you so much for having me take care okay (laughs) 